What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Boys at 161st Street. Thanks for joining us today, as always. Before we get this rolling, we would really appreciate it if you guys could take two seconds and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. All right, that's enough begging. This is another episode of Roll Call, a miniseries where we individually talk about each player on the Yankees. 15 minutes starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Roll Call. We are the boys of 161st Street, and today you got Murph, Damon, and myself, Luke. Here we go. This episode is all about the man, the myth, the legend, the cat lover, Clint Frazier. I'm a big Clint Frazier guy, but let us I'll defer to my partner in crime over here. Damon was an early adopter of the Clint train, so why don't you start us off here, Damon? Clint's, uh, yeah, Clint's been one of my favorite overall MLB players for a long time. Um, I remember watching the 2013 draft, actually, when he went. And that was when I was still kind of like not really paying attention to the draft that often. But he, he was, was one family? of his, Yeah, I was with his family. And it was a really powerful moment. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he got the call, I was there. Yeah, I got the call, he was there. I passed him the phone. <laughs> yeah, I was actually in the Indian's office, and I was going to call him um, and give oh, him the no. new. Yeah, What'd you so, say? Cool. I was like, hey, welcome, welcome to the team. Welcome to the team. Um, you're you're no, going to get shipped uh, out. You're going to get shipped out pretty soon. But you're shipped out pretty soon. Enjoy, enjoy your stay. I was also on the phone with him when uh, he got traded to the Yankees. So that was also pretty cool. Me and, me and Brian Cashman were in the room. and it was uh, That one's not cool. true. Yeah. The Indians one's true. That one's not true. Neither of them were true. Um, anyway. <laughs> Two truths and a lie. <laughs> well, um, the truth is, is that I'm a fan of his. Everything else is a lie. Um, there's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, right now he's a, he's a two tool player. He's a, he's a guy who can hit for average and can hit for power. Legendary. Yeah, I, was about to speed. Ask, I was about to ask you, we should, we're going to start out opening every episode up with, all right. So how many tools has he got? This is the first guy we're going to start it off with. So Damon just said two. Murph, what do you think? How many tools? Yeah. Um, if it is fielding might even negate a tool it's See? now <laughs> so you're now, on, now you're talking my language because i added half of half a tool for wade I, what i add, i added for him being differences i was totally kidding um but he doesn't <laughs> have the tool for fielding definitely but uh not really a speed guy but if he can hit and he can hit for power and he does have a plus arm his arm is a tool he can't field the ball, but when he finally fumbles around and picks it up, he can throw it really far. So, so, so two and a half, three, two and a half, three. Yeah, I, I think he's. I we, think he's a three-tool player. Do we P- add, potentially could be? A do we add half a tool? Because I no. now I understand. Now Stop. I understand. This is this is my job. I'm gonna wonder about the the alternate tools we can add here to the shop. So, do you add half a tool for the nope. bat speed? I don't know. The bat speed no. might add half a tool. I don't know. Now here's a guy you, with legendary bat yeah, speed. Yeah, I was about to say he always ever every announcer when he steps up to the plate, whether it's in Scranton or the Yankees, it's Michael K or anybody. They're like, "Hey, Michael." The Paula goes to Michael. Hey, Michael. You see that bat speed on him? <laughs> <laughs> every and single they, bat. Every single. They talk bat. about Especially, it. 
they talk about it like as if it's the first time they're seeing the guy. Like they're scouting him when he's when like he was Damon Romeo back in the day, scouting him out at at Comerica Park and just and whatever he's doing. That's Detroit. I don't America know Park. <laughs> but I mean, the point it just it's like they say it for the first time. It's like oh light bulb. Hey Paulie, how fast do you think he swings that bat? <laughs> it's it's a few on that one. I remember yeah. when he came over from Cleveland in the. Uh, Andrew Miller trade. I was really pissed that we lost Andrew Miller at the time. Didn't really understand the full picture of it. But then all of a sudden, a few days later on Twitter, I saw this video of Clint taking BP. And I didn't really know the name. Like, it basically introduced him as this is the guy we got for Andrew Miller. And yeah. he had, like, he still had his long, long, long hair at the time. He had the locks. Yeah. Nope. He was jacked. And he had the bat speed. He was hitting BP in this video, <laughs> and that. I was like, "Holy shit! I'm okay yeah. with this now." It's and, like it's the bat speed, and it's yeah. his forearms. Is the, yeah, the big talking points? So, yeah. Whenever they talk video, about that, there's another video. I remember when um, the trade happened? They're like, you know, Clint Fader's getting ready. It was him doing one of those workouts and throwing the fucking ball against the wall. And it was just like, look yeah. at those forearms, and <laughs> that's where the bat like, speed comes from. It's like Damon, you asked. It's like Mel Kiper in the draft every time. He's always like, "Now here's a guy who has remarkable bat speed." He just says, "Here's a guy." And it's like what they say about Judge all the time. They always say, "Whenever Judge gets up, it's like they make they make some sort of comment about his height, weight, something like this." Yeah. You ever seen a guy that big? He's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Damon, you asked when we did Tyler Wade. Who you know? I mentioned that I always kind of picked a guy that I wanted to yeah. see be good. I. I didn't think of it at the time, but I guess it was Clint Frazier uh, two years ago, not last yeah. year, the year before when he kind of came up. Yeah. I've um, been, oh, look at it. I'm just looking at I'm going back to the, the three-tool thing real quick. So I'm looking at his MLB of the show card. 88 arm strength. Not bad. And that's, Is it that see, high right now? Yeah, right now. 88, 88 arm, arm strength. 88 arm for, for a, a card primary that, left for, fielder. For and a primary for a card that fielder. low, for a card of that low of overall, I think that's, that's showing promise. But yeah, we're not, we're not going to yeah. – Go to. I mean, I we always yeah, say we're not gonna look. We're not gonna look too deeply into the MLB the show ratings, but they get them right for the most part. Like, I don't know. They they do their research. They're the official video game of the show. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe we we should. Yeah, they do research it. on it. I don't know. Move on. It just okay. even if it is a good, <laughs> even if it is a good way of measuring players, it just sounds like it shouldn't be. Yeah, no, it's just a way for me. <laughs> yeah, no matter how accurate the just show is, get, you said, well, the show game really get harmed. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Who cares? I know. Like, I know. Even just, if it is like, right. Just like, yeah. reference. Yeah. Just because they do the research, and I feel like, you know what it is? It's just for me, it's just to get a gauge on where they're at, like a ballpark, and that's it. Nothing more. Don't read too deeply into it. But if you do look at it, they aren't going to give somebody an 88 arm who has a noodle. Like That, that tells you they at least have an arm. For Especially stats that for, they don't uh, have stats for, like throwing yeah. the ball is yeah. yeah. Especially for yeah. like a live series player and someone who's also a lower level rating player too. They're not just gonna throw it out there just to be fun. Yeah. yeah. So another an attribute <laughs> that they do it. have in there. What's his fielding like? Because we gotta talk. <laughs> we we kind of have to talk about his back, fielding. Though. We kind of have to talk about his fielding because he. Uh, I mean, the fielding is a huge part of this because. It's better I, than Andahar. I see. Okay, well, what are, no, what are both of them? What are both of them? Um, I think off the top of my head, Andahar is in the 30s, but Clem Frazier has 40 fielding, 88 arm strength, 45 arm accuracy, and 40 reaction. Okay, so 
again, we're just going to use that as a reference. But in terms of his ro- in terms of his role for the future, that's going to be that's going enough. That will be the show for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of his role for the future, I think that fielding is the main deterrent from keeping him in the roster every day. That along, I mean, people have been trying to get Guardy out of that spot for the longest time, and he just won't leave. But I think Clint is the most suitable to take that position from him. Don't mm-hmm. you? Would you guys agree? Yeah, I yeah. think he's. Yeah, he is the next. I, I think that if the season started on time, with some of those setbacks and injuries, he would have been the opening day outfielder. One of them. Actually, he would have had to be. Uh, we're forgetting Talkman the guy that we always forget. Talkman. Talkman. We always forget. Talkman, Talkman would have probably started. Talkman I'm not forgetting him at all. I'm still saying that. I think that Clint. You think Clint over Talkman? Yeah, I think he would have. No, I think Talkman at least to start the season. Not. I mean, I personally may may start Clint, and I know you would too. But to start the season they're going to roll with who they had starting there before. So I mean, he's got to beat out Talkman. But I think in terms of potential, I mean, Clint's got more potential than Talkman for sure. I, his fielding is, the, like I always say, like everybody always says, he, I mean, he's got to stop running into walls. Like, and I think I, we talked about this all the time. I don't think last year his fielding is a proper indication for actually how his fielding Not is. Not at all. I think he's a better fielder than that. He just maybe was concussed or the, it's the confidence thing. If you don't have any confidence when you're up at the plate, which he has tons of, and you see that if you're out there in the field and you're getting a ball hit right at you and everybody is on the edge of their seat and you kind of, you're in your own head and everybody's waiting for to see you to mess up. And he knows that he's one of those players who feeds into whatever, like whether how, whether it's, Super negative or super positive, he'll hype himself up or he'll build, break himself down, you know? And yeah. if he doesn't get off to a hot start fielding-wise, which I don't really think he did in spring training, again, sample size, but he's got to get off to such a hot start and build off that confidence because he's that type of player. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Quickly, just quick point about the spring training because I do want to get into that a little bit. <laughs> I know we're, we're talking before about small sample size, and even though he only played – 20, 12 games in spring training, he looked amazing. And just bec- and because of that small sample size, we were all there. We all saw it. We saw the way the, bat was, the ball was flying off the bat. He hit 320 in spring training. He had a home run and two RBIs. He was slugging 600. Didn't he double when we were there? He, yeah, doubled, yeah. he hit a line drive that went through the wall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because just because there's small sample size does not mean that there was there was something promising there that we all saw, and that was my whole point with the Tyler Wade was that yes, there was right. something there See, that we saw that was promising. I think that his bat is something that we're gonna need in the lineup going forward, regardless. And it's gonna be we have a DH spot, and if it gets to the point where his bat is someone we can't leave out of a lineup, and if he still can't field a ball, and he still has those demons in the outfield. We can put him there. I know we have a million guys that can play DH, but and especially with the shortened season, he's going to be. I think he's going to be thrown around a lot. And I think that even though the season, the shortened season, kind of fucked him in the beginning, I truly believe that there's still a lot, a lot of potential that he can come out and be a productive, productive player in this 82 game season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think his fielding is what has it's been showing recently. I think he's a pretty good fielder. I mean, we noticed when he came up. The year before this, or was it the year before that? I don't know. When he was coming up, you never. Re- when he was coming up, you never really 
like when we got from the Indians, we, no one ever talked about that he was such a bad fielder. We there's this is a new thing that we've recently seen post concussion. So I think the concussion could have a lot to do with it, and, yeah, and the confidence thing. If you're beating yourself up all the time, you're not going to make plays. You're not. If you I think, think you're going to, if you think you're going to miss a ball, and you and you get gun shy because you saw him diving after balls and missing by miles. So if you miss by a mile and you get yelled at by a coach or a teammate or whatever, you're not going to go after it again. And if you're gun shy, then you're not going to make any plays. And that's never never a good thing. He's got to get the confidence back. I think you're mostly right with that. Um, the part that I don't think you're totally right about is just the fielding part. Like, I don't think he was ever supposed to be a great fielder. That was, I think that was I never said that. his drawback. Like, even when we got him from the Indians, I think the problem was that was his fielding and that that was something that everyone was hoping to develop to kind of complement his arm because his arm was always so good. And then I think you're right in saying that when he had the concussion and after that um, he started making mistakes in the outfield that – Again, like you said, he just kind of started to spiral and roll. Yeah, it's a and then snowball he, then he, That's when he started to kind of struggle and just couldn't get that, I don't know, monkey off his back in the field. Um, so, yeah, I think we don't need him to be an exceptional fielder. If we can get him to just not make bad plays in the outfield and costly I plays think, I and negative plays. I think it was bad plays. plays. I think it was just – No, there were bad plays. No, I, I'm, but I'm saying it wasn't because of his, Mostly it's just not because of his skill set. I think it's because of his – yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just judging yeah. the balls. It was his – Yeah, it's not his athletic ability. It's judging, yeah. And there was also, in his defense, there was also a series of four games or something like that where he had, I don't know, like six um, atom balls that were either dive for it or – um, mm-hmm. Kind of stay back and take, wait. take it and, and stay back. Yeah, those kind of happened he, all within the same time period. Like, yeah, I saw and he two, like two, judged two in a row. all of them. And he just yeah. happened to misjudge all of them. He was diving for ones that were three feet away. He was trying to scoop ones that were right at him. And I think just that consistency of just a span of six games where the balls hit right at him all the time. And that's the hardest ball to, to catch. It's so yeah. hard. And then once once you mess up a few of them, you're and then once about that, it. And that's where it, yeah. New York, it's, it's a trickle-down effect. And, I and le- the left field at Yankee play. Stadium is one of the more tricky left fields to play. You don't have the short porch necessarily. It's just like been it's talked about as one of too. the harder left fields to play. Just to yeah. add with how the angle of the wall going back. and uh, I don't know exactly why. I mean, I, I, I think- definitely heard that the left field at Yankee Stadium is tough to play. I think no matter where he was playing, he would run into the wall. I think the wall – I mean, it's just in those situations where he ran into the wall, you just got to figure that out. And I hope, hopefully the concussion is fully healed yeah, by again, now. Another, I, I think another it is. tough play. Another tough play. Yeah, and, it, and it, after those tough plays, because they happen like bang, like one game, and then sometimes even the same game, I feel like I remember, or the game after or something. I think it was the, the next at-bat almost that happened sometimes. Something very close. Adam. And I think that's even worse that it happened so close because – then you're scarred. Like, if it happened one game in the beginning of the season and then, like, midway through the season, not so bad. But then if two glaring errors happen, people talk about it. Coaches talk about it. Coaches pull you because of that because you're clearly rattled. And that's what he is. And he he either gets red hot and he's – the most confident guy in the world, and he's got his dick swinging in the box, and or he's somebody who looks like a lost cat out there. Evidently, he really likes cats. But – I don't know. I, but with that being said, you can't discount the bat. We talk about the bat speed. The guy can hit, and he was a leader of the next man up. The guys in the next man up, he was healthy. For, I mean, especially 
I just vividly remember him in the first half of the year. Like, just I, the home runs he's hit, the he had a walk-off. He had mm-hmm. – how many home runs did he finish with? He finished with, like, 12, 12, 12 home runs – 38 RBIs in 69 games. So the 69 games happened in the first half. And if you remember, he had that meeting at his locker where he was like really sad. I felt really bad for him because he almost looked like he was going to cry. And he just he just got out of the shower and he was talking to like Meredith Morakovitz. And she was like, how do you feel? Do you feel like you did enough? And he was like, I really thought I did enough to stay on the team. But mm-hmm. and and because he got pulled pulled down for Talkman, right? Just Talkman. Somebody sent down. I remember getting called up, and it was between him and Talkman. And I remember because he guys. said right after that, he said, "I thought it would happen. I knew I was going to get called down to make room for Stanton, not mm-hmm. now." And he really looked so sad, and I felt so bad because I really like Clint, but I, I'm right there with him. I think he did do enough, and I think the one drawback that probably is what sent him down is the attitude and that's something he definitely needs to fix and you specifically notice it when judge left for to go rehab because they share a locker together and then he spiraled out of control didn't yep, talk to the, the media same locker next door next <laughs> door they're next door neighbors but he he kind of is the one to keep tabs on everybody, especially yeah. somebody as hot-headed as Clint. And that's when he didn't talk to the media. That's when he did all that shit. And I think that is what sent him down. And he had too much baggage around him. But I think it was – yeah, it was a combination of that and Talkman. Just Clint was a little bit more, I think, replaceable than Talkman was because Talkman was a left-handed bat and he could field. And Clint was another right-handed bat who had – a lot of pop who couldn't hit, but Talkman also had pop. So I and think Talkman just fit the team better. It's not that yeah. he was any better than Clint. For, for yeah. a moment, too. For the moment, And too. I think yeah, for, in, yeah, the moment, in the moment, they also needed a fielder. And I think that yeah. – I remember now I remember that's exactly why he was brought into the fold because they needed a fielder. And Clint had no spot because we already had Encarnacion and other DHs and Ford and Voight and everybody in San who's in DH spots. And he really had didn't have a place. And I think – he might not have a place in this shortened season unless he figures the fielding out. Because yeah. you see guys like Miggy who are throwing around into left and wherever we're going to put him, trying to find a spot for the guy. But if Clint can't play the outfield, he's certainly not playing the infield. It's not <laughs> that that yeah. move doesn't happen. You can move somebody to the outfield. It's not as easy to come to the infield. So if he can't figure it out, then there's not a lot of hope for him for the future. But I do believe he'll figure it out. And I think even even if he's not the next star player on the Yankees, I think that if he is used for trade, I hope he's not. But regardless, I think he is going to be a phenomenal player one one day if it's on the Yankees or if it's on a different team. And I I think that the Yankees organization wants him to be here. They wouldn't have kept him along. They wouldn't have kept him here for this long. They wouldn't have not traded him away at the end of the last season or over the off season. They definitely want him here. They definitely want him in the lineup. They want him to play. Um, it's just a matter of him going out there and showing up and taking taking the spot finally. But you know, I think regardless, if it's the Yankees too, we're a loaded team. I think any other team or most other teams, he'd be out there starting every day. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, I think we can all agree that when he is out there, and like Rello was saying in the beginning of last year, when when he's playing consistently, he's one of the most electric players on the team to watch. Yeah. And I just hope that down the road we don't run into some situation where we, we misuse him and waste 
the good parts of his career and he turns into like the best that never was kind of thing. Um, I really don't see that happening, but you know, it's been, you know, two and three years where you kind of just shake your head and you're like, uh, like you, you want him to yeah. play. You want Come him, on, you, you think like, do you want Clint on the major league roster? Yes. All right. Who's, who's he replacing? And then you look at it and you're like, uh, like, I don't, you know, it's, I hopefully, yeah. hopefully this works out for him this year. Cause I would like to see him, if not as an everyday starter, at least stay on the whole, stay on the roster for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, and, I have two, I have two things. Thinking. One, I agree with you, Murph, but I think from a Yankees perspective, I think Cashman and front office alike, I think they're kind of grooming him to be the next outfielder. I think they think that that is his spot for the future. So for the future of the franchise, the dynasty we're trying to build, I think that spot's his, less of Gardner because Gardner's on one-year contracts, whether or not he'll come back next year because he's on a one-year contract this year. They might give him another one depending on how it goes. Who knows? He gets hurt. Finally, he never gets hurt. So maybe he does get hurt because he's older now. I think that's, from a front office perspective, I think the Yankees think that he's the future, and that's why they're so tough on him and being patient with him, especially with the attitude stuff. But one thing I want to close with is we always talk about, I always talk about the, the that clutch feeling, the how I feel with you in the box, regardless of your mm-hmm. stats, we'll call it the Vicky Mendoza diagonal. I know it makes no sense, but it's my diagonal that we're going to talk about how I met your mother reference. How are you? But I think he in the box might be one of them. Like for some reason, I'm probably most confident with him in the box. I don't know why stats, mo- stats mo- aside, he bats like two, six, he might be the Yankees. team. On the entire Yankees over in the box, he's one of the top, if not just just in the just in the box. And I know you're feeling, I know you're saying I, I agree yeah, with you. I mean he's definitely top five on the Yankees in terms of my confidence in it's the just, players. It's just a the gut box. feeling. It's just one of those gut feeling things. So Vicky McDozy diagonal. I don't yeah. agree with you, but I can respect that. All right. Well that's it. We'll agree to <laughs> disagree. That's that's the end of that. At least we didn't end this one talking about rodeos, so this is a better one. Well, fuck that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He looks good in cowboy hat, I think. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.